When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Cow Corner Podcast with me, the Dolly Dropper, James Hurl, Mr. Birmingham League Sun, Andy Harrison, the loyal one, Joss Elliott, for your latest dose all things Shropshire Cricket. And welcome back to episode 46 of the Cow Corner Podcast Shropshire Cricket Show. I'm James Hill and as always I am joined by Mr. Loyal, Joss Elliott and the man with the most famous Birmingham League ton of all, Andy Harrison. How are we guys? Good thanks James, how are you getting on mate? Yeah, very good, very good mate. Good to... Uh... Good to have us, well, all, oh, I say, back together, but um, it's actually nice to see Andy working for a change. Well, if you call it that, yeah. He's, um, <laughs> he's on, Unfortunately, he's I don't know and he's meant to be painting. Late night shift. Yeah. yeah. I'm not quite sure what he's doing, to be honest. <laughs> it's because he's been to all them days of the test match, isn't it, Joss? I mean, yeah. He gets so many holidays, doesn't he? Test match, he was on stag do's, he's in America gambling. Just... <laughs> I hear he's off out of the country as well soon again. Yeah. Krakow in it, Andy. It is Krakow, my friend. No wonder he's down shift on seconds now. I've got time to train. <laughs> How are we, Andy? You all right, mate? Yeah, I'm very well, mate. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can, mate. Yeah, very well, mate. Unfortunately, I'm having to work a bit of a late shift, but uh, as Joss has mentioned, I've got Lots of holidays coming up, a stag do, up into three days of the crickets, costing me an absolute fortune. You can afford it though, Andy, richest man in Shropshire. Oh, mate, when you've got a brush like mine, mate, you make all sorts of money. Same, <laughs> <sounds> so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good, and uh, good to see uh, you in the wickets at the weekend, Andy. Yeah, it's been a, a very frustrating time for me of late, unfortunately, with a, a bad shoulder, but hopefully... Uh, Getting some physio on my back. Apparently, my back's the problem. Um, unfortunately, it's probably a bit of old age. Uh, we've been around for a long time, haven't we, Joss? Yeah, 
put your body through a bit, haven't you, Andy? Oh, mate, when you're carrying this, there's a lot of food. They say seven seven times your weight goes through your bloody leg when you every time you bowl. So uh, it makes me the size of an elephant. <laughs> yeah, I was glad Josh said it over rather than me. But um, yeah, no, it's um, good seeing the wickets and maybe a, a sign of things to come. And uh, Josh also in the runs, mate. Yes, we'll be getting some stickers soon. I've heard about Joss Elliott's Div 7 tonne. <laughs> <laughs> the pinnacle of all cricketing tons. A Div 7 tonne. Can't beat it, yeah. yeah it, was, it was nice to call some runs. Uh, was, it, was it overshadowed by somebody, though, Joss? Or that's what well, I heard. Someone scored 23 less than me. No, it wasn't. Well, it was a quick time, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, let me guess who, to- who told you that. The lad who did it, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was just you know we put on 193 between us me and jimmy harrop um posted 327 very well, very against good. top of the league which was which was nice and uh scaled them for less than 100 so all good yeah it was an enjoyable day even Before better up with a 50 there on the next day so, uh, as well, yeah good, good, good weekend which uh, i can't do too often at my age because i can't move for the rest of the week basically <laughs> <laughs> but I won't do it again anyway. So. <laughs> it's well, it's good to see someone from the Cal Corner team scoring runs and uh, people in the wickets as yeah, well. You got one of your high scores of the season as well, didn't you? I did, mate. Four. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Best strike rate ever as well, though, mate. Oh, 400. Yeah. All about strike rates nowadays, the kids will tell you. So uh, very happy with my strike rate of 400. Mm. That'll be the next sticker. I've heard about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever seen me play, you definitely know I'll never get anywhere near close to that ever again. But yeah, anyway, enough about that. And uh, we've got a very special episode. This is our 98th Cow Corner episode. Which literally equals the closest you've come to a ton, doesn't it? It does, it yeah. does, it yeah. does. 98, not out. Yeah. Bottled it that day. Um, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Um, T20, though, which not too bad. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, episode 98, and we thought we'd bring out the big guns. And uh, we have got someone who is infamous across all of Shropshire cricket. And uh, I think we probably call him a bit of a legend, wouldn't we, guys? I would say so. Many battles with this man over the past. Over 4,000 runs. (laughs) (laughs) Over 4,000 runs, over 300 odd wickets. And. a mainstay in Shropshire cricket for many years. We are joined by the one and only John Anthony. Welcome, John. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Got to be honest, very jealous of hearing all the runs that you scored at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> did you fail, did you, John? Again. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a tough five weeks. <laughs> but the team won. That's the main thing. Exactly. So let's start with uh, always been a Newtown boy. Yeah. Um, kind of joined Newtown when I was. 12, 13, um, never really played any junior cricket, um, played a little bit in school, um, played at home. So family took us down to the club, me and my brother, mm. and within a couple of weeks, played second team cricket um, and then gone for this. Never, never really stopped. Um, close to 25 years, mainly in the first team. Mm. So, yeah, always been always been Newtown on Saturday cricket. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Dave, as well, and... You're one of the few partnerships that, you know, whenever you talk about clubs, people always refer to you as the Antonys. And there's not many other brother combinations or actual teams where you 
Well, you say that, do you, about a, a team? Or you're going to play Newtown and you're going to turn up to, against the Antonys? Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a club full of brothers. We've obviously got Craig and Jono. We did have Ali and Dave. There's another couple of brothers I can't think of top of my head. But, yeah, it's kind of me and Dave have been associated with the first team for a long time. Um, don't like admitting it, but quite quite happy playing with him most weeks. Um, <laughs> um, he does remind me every now and again. But, yeah, it's um, it's it's a good place to be. And is there a lot of sibling rivalry between the two of you, or is he quite happy to live in your shadow? Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> He's going to hate you. <laughs> he is going to hate you. Um, Sorry, Dave. Please don't bother my head. <laughs> um, fortunately, um, yeah. Um, now I'm kind of more batting. Um, yeah, don't have so much sibling rivalry. I think half the time he probably wants to throttle me with some of the shots I play to get out. Um, having reminded me to um, be responsible and things like that and, and charge you down the wicket. So, yeah, it's more of that than sibling rivalry at the moment. Mm. But, um, yeah, he's, it's always been there. And I think we're competitive enough to drive each other on and make sure mm. as a club and as a team mm. we want to win. Obviously, been the mainstay. You, you kind of drive the younger ones forward as well now. Yeah, yeah. You, you had to reinvent yourself as a batsman really the last few years, didn't you? Because I remember... Never being able to get you off the square, I can't get you off the square, but in particular you as a bowler, you used to hoop it. I actually originally went up to the first team as a batsman when I was 14, 15. Yeah, yeah I went went up as a batsman, um, opened the batting back then, mm. then kind of developed into a bowler, bowled for the vast majority of my, thing, of my career playing cricket. Didn't really concentrate probably as hard as I should have done on my batting. Um, unfortunately, bowling can still bowl in nets, but struggling with the yips, um, yeah. struggled struggle to release it. Um, mm. Trying to do a bit midweek, so I kind of reinvented myself as a batsman because still got that competitive element. I still want to play cricket, yeah. so yeah, um, we're always always looking for batsmen, and yeah, it's, it's a matter of doing a job at the top of the top mm. of the order for us. Mm. When were you getting a nine for? Was it against Tiverton? Tiverton, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah, that will stick with my brother for a while. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you talk about obviously not going into junior cricket. Was having Dave as your brother? Did, do you feel like you've both egged each other on to become the players that you have? Yeah, we when we went to the first team originally, there was um, we we were looked after by a lot of people. Um, the, the legend of Shropshire cricket, which is Di Brown, um, mm. people like that kept kept us going. Um, they always made sure that we um, improved, um, developed. It was all through a lot of it was self taught. Um, very obviously there was some good lads around us but it wasn't so much coaching as it's kind of tips and encouragement in the net so it was yeah it was a, a lot of that and as i say we're, as a club there's a lot of the older guys that are, are very good very encouraging and they really helped develop us um they looked after us when we went into the into the first team as as youngsters mm. you seem to have a good junior setup there now as well you were saying earlier yeah um we're, we're very lucky so Last year, one of the best moments last year for us was um, our under-15s won the All-Shopshire, and I think they beat Wolverhampton in the final, which Great. for a team of our size beating Wolverhampton in the under-15s mm. final is brilliant. Yeah, yeah we, we've got under-11s, under-15s, and we're just starting under-18s team. So, And some of the players, I'm, I'm sure I'll mention them after, some of the, the, the kids in our team, the youngsters there, it's, it's brilliant to watch. We got uh, one week, we had five players under-19. Right. In our first team, which future, isn't it? yeah, I don't think we've had that for a long time. It's good. There's a lot, so a lot going on at Newtown at the moment. Obviously, doing well in the league so far, and we'll kind of come on to that a bit later. But a lot going on behind the scenes as well. Yeah, um, 
we've got a really good committee at the moment there um we're, we're playing for grants we'll, the end goal is get a new changing room i think that's the one thing that's probably letting us down at the moment so we're looking at um, different options available to ourselves. We've got a very good chairman in um, Paul Hawthorne who drives us forward. Very good committee. This weekend, we got the All Wales Under-13s final. So we're holding a lot of regional games, which is just um, developing our um, sort of thing around Wales that we are a club to come to. Um, there isn't really many places if you play in North against South, which can hold a fixture. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's just building our profile amongst Welsh cricket, but obviously within Shropshire cricket as well. Now, another thing about Newtown is I know it's it's a place that people aren't like too keen on travelling to, but you have to do the distance and all the travelling every week. How much of a challenge is that for you as a club, obviously, travelling that far and keeping the consistent side most weeks? Yeah, I think um, we used to get a few few people that we would come to us and, and mention about the distance. and But generally, these days, everybody is really good. Um, and we just remind them that, actually, we do this journey every other week. Mm. Um, it, we're lucky we're a group of friends off the cricket field as well as on the cricket field so it's a bunch of mates so the traveling doesn't really phase us we want to travel a distance because we want to play at that league we want to be competitive we don't want to play local cricket at the moment because obviously we want to be competitive as as high a stand as we can so we enjoy the traveling we embrace it we make sure we stop um we've got a very very good group of core players we, we don't make many changes in our first team the atmosphere in our first team is really really good at the moment so yeah, traveling's never been an issue. We we had one of our longer ones on Saturday in Bridge North. We made the most of it and we had a really good day out. Mm. Mm. So you do seem to be in a really good place. As you say, you don't change the team very much. You've got plenty of youngsters, nice settled group of mates that play each other. And you're top of, top of Div 1, as we'll come on to in a bit. I mean, presumably you're, you're aspiring to, to go up to the Prem. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the end goal. It's, yeah. it's We want to play as high standards as we can. I think we underperformed last year, finishing seventh. It didn't. We we didn't really have a great end to the season, and I think this year we're kind of getting back to where the level we should be. We always aspire to win the league. We want to play in the Premier League. Mm. That's where we want to be. Mm. It'll help our juniors, help attract players if we can. So yeah, the end goal is to win the league. We, yeah. we that's what we set out to do, and we'll we'll try our hardest to get there. You're about halfway there as well, yeah. <laughs> It's getting scary that we're now almost halffway through the season and results kind of went our way at the weekend. So, um, yeah. That's brilliant, mate. That's brilliant. Do you take a bus away from home as well? You do take the bus, don't you? Every so often. Well, I've, um, my brother's got a building company and he invested in a truck for work, a flatbed truck. And it fortunately has right. got a seven-seater cab. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's um, we take it in turns to drive, and we have um, it's it's quite a dangerous place to be. Um, by the time you by the time you get a couple of bottles on there and some wine, um, it's, it's, it can be a long trip home. I can I can imagine you boys all in the back having a few tins. Fair play. Yeah, I've got to be careful what I mention on this because obviously um, there's a few juniors with us, so obviously we encourage them to stick on the the soft drinks. <laughs> Good, as you'd expect. <laughs> um, but yeah, nice. Obviously, having Chirk uh, join the league, uh, a Welsh derby. But... Did you walk? Did you walk to that one? <laughs> local, <laughs> local derby, wasn't it? Early, Lo- lovely local trip for us. Um, it's probably um, yeah, it's a, it's probably an hour for us. <laughs> So we have asked uh, the listeners for some questions as you have come on the pod. Um, so we will start asking those as the podcast goes on. So in different stages of tonight, we will be asking some of the questions. And our first question comes from Carl Starling, 
and he says, do we still need passports when we play you guys away? Um, this was a section I was dreading the questions because <laughs> I didn't tell any of my mates really I was coming on this and then I saw you post that today. So I, <laughs> I've had so many messages. Um, yeah, that that probably goes back to the days where people resented traveling. Um, <laughs> and one of um, Old Scott's players at the time put a message on Facebook that he thought he played in the Shropshire League and what, he didn't realize he needed his passport to play an away game. <laughs> and unfortunately, one of our lads seen it. And yeah, he, he certainly caught about it that day. Um, <laughs> um, but all is good these days. Um, they enjoy the journeys to us and they certainly don't need any passports. <laughs> I think Rockster some years ago persuaded their Australian pro that he needed a passport to go into Wales. And they uh, they hid him in the boot when they crossed the border. <laughs> they said they'd be border control on the next Wales border. <laughs> but I, I guess it's something that if you don't you don't live near the welsh border you probably wouldn't think about it would you or i don't know maybe it's just common or, sense or if you're in Aus- or if you're an australian you don't have a brain as most of them do it's all Bury's grandness on the border isn't it from, yeah yeah i always remember one day we went away and we were playing actually in brosley and one of our lads asked us was this the ground you could hit a six into wales <laughs> <laughs> Mike Bellamore probably could. <laughs> um, he, he, he has left us a few other questions. Um, the second one is, who's better, John or David? <laughs> that is a question I'm not answering because he, <laughs> he, he has already warned me not to say anything. So um, I'll, I'll put it out to the listeners to that one. okay and um yeah we'll we'll leave the other ones and uh, the other questions that we've been set and uh, we'll move ourselves on to our first division so in the premier division leading the way are wellington with 193 points in second are wem 11 points behind then a bit of a jump down to whitchurch on 165 quat in fourth place, Shelton in fifth, Oswestry Street in sixth, Sentinel in seventh, Ludlow mm. in eighth, Shrewsbury second eleven in ninth, St George's in tenth, Maidley in eleventh, and Newport in twelfth. So, guys, initial thoughts on that Premier Division? So Interesting. Top four uh, set themselves adrift from everyone else. Um, Big gap between Quat in fourth with 156 and Shelton, who are resurgent, by the way. They've mm. leapt up since the last couple of weeks. They've gone up five places, I think, but they're, they're sort of 30, 38 points behind Quat. So I can't see that top four having any other teams involved for the rest of the season. That's mm. a bit of an early statement to make. Um, I'm quite surprised to see Sentinel as low as they are um, in seventh, but they're, you know they're only sort of... 15 points off 11th, which, um, well, one bad result off, off 11th. Um, and I don't want to see them down there. I know we've had a checkered history with Sentinel, but I do like Sentinel. I, mm. I hope they do well. I hope they turn it around. Yeah, 45 points, uh, the gap between Sentinel and Quat, who are in fourth. And just to put some perspective on that, there's about 40 points, well, just less than 40 points, 37 points between Quat and Wellington. Uh, in the top another side who have got a big gap is mainly in newport where there is 41 points between 11th and 12th but there is as you mentioned joss it's very tight between mainly in 11th on 96 
and then Shelton in fifth, who are on 118. So, Beef, thoughts on uh, the Prem? Sentinel possibly yeah. lacking a, a lacking a seamer, would you say, maybe? Yeah, I think we, we mentioned that over the over the winter. I, I'm pretty sure we mentioned it on one of the podcasts. We thought that's where they might might struggle. But to be honest, they're not they're not all chipping in with the runs either. Um, you know, I've, been, I've had George uh, Cheshire work with me, and uh, and that's where they're struggling slightly as well. So I, I I do think they'll fight back, but it's sad to see them you know below below mid table when really they're realistically over the years have been a a top four club. Pretty much every season, um, but looking at the table, mate, bloody hell, there is some surprises. I mean, I knew, I think we all agreed that we didn't think Ludlow would do it a second time, and said it would be quite difficult for them to to do it again. But to see them down in eighth is a big surprise. I thought, you know, there's there's not been many changes in their squad, um, so I am very surprised. And uh, Joss is right, Shelton, but Oswestry as well, because Oswestry could quite easily have been in Division One. Mm. Uh, like we spoke about so to see them have a resurgence and get back up the tables very good uh, but it's looking I think it's looking quite damning for the clubs at the bottom I think we spoke about Newport and Maidley and thought they might have tough seasons so um, there's no real surprise down there um, and, and Wellington they look like they're they're firing on all cylinders this season by the look of it they're a very good side yeah, going back to the bottom of the table, I fear for St. George's as well. I think it's been quite a bit of upheaval in the last few weeks. I think they've they've leaked a few right. players to Fortin. And yeah, they're only one point ahead of Maidley. Joss, I've, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Do, do you think do you think the loss of Dan Walker maybe is uh, giving Shelton a little bit of a, a bit of a pick <laughs> up the backside and they've uh, they've gone on uh, to achieve more? I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> I hope Dan. I hope Dan is listening after his. Do, uh, do you know I played at Shelton yesterday against their yeah. thirds, and they've got such a good setup there. I mean, we all know they've got yeah. a great scoreboard and the hybrid hybrid yeah. track. But the number of people watching, even even yeah. the third team, it's so good to see. It was. It is up. great. Okay, I'll, I'll just oh, tell yeah. you a little story. If you want, from uh, mid midweek, we played at uh, Shelton, obviously on Tuesday, um, and uh, obviously the Ashes was on. And it was a tense finish, wasn't it? Mm. So while we were playing the first, I think it was the first 12 overs of the Grasshoppers innings, they had the ashes on the screen instead of the scoreboard. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. And it was just class. amazing. <laughs> Absolute class. Harry Webster has gone in the other direction. He's left Shrewsbury and he has gone to Shelton and he's uh, started well, got 34. Um, I've heard very good things about him. Look, apparently, looks a very good bat. Is can does also wicket keep, but um, Ben Matthews has got the gloves and uh, he's also had a good week. And obviously, Chevron Brooks coming into form recently is is making a massive difference. I think for Shelton, they beat Newport the other well on Saturday. They've got Newport 178 for seven. Then knocked them off in the 42nd over of that game. The main game that stands out to me, though, this week is Wellington, top of the table against fourth place Quat, but a Quat side who many people thought may be up there and might challenge. Quat won the toss, elected to field, bowled Wellington out for 154 inside the overs. So at that point, you think they're in with a good chance, but then Wellington come back and bowl Quat out for 97. Hugh Morris again in the wickets, three for 18 off seven. Wendell Wagner, three for 17 off eight. And Dan Lloyd, three for 30 
off his eight. But those three have been the standout bowlers for Wellington this season. And good to see Hugh Morris showing his potential and it all coming coming to the fore. He's a good player, isn't he? Mm. Played uh, a bit of Sunday cricket against him for Grasshoppers. Uh, I don't know if Joss remembers him from playing yeah, yeah, last yeah, year. He's he lost to Ponsbury. We know about yeah, he's his struggles at the moment. 50 yeah, he, he, was, he was a very talented player. The whole family are really. Yeah, he looks a very compact, uh, a very compact batsman. Looks uh, looks the real deal. And obviously, I haven't really seen him bowl a lot, and I've heard absolutely brilliant things. So, uh, look forward to seeing that kid do a, a hell of a lot more. Mm. I've remembered who he is now. He's a, yeah, he was a very good player when I played against him for Ponsbury. He was he always had a lot of talent. It's a bit of a statement for Wellington, who now move thirty point gap between them and third. And that's a Whitchurch side who they'd be hoping to push up the table. Talking of Whitchurch, the week previous, Dan Bowen with an eight for eight for sixteen off six uh, against Newport. Uh, but he's pretty, as, uh, he's pretty class. put two hundred and fifty five for seven and then got Newport out for fifty one. They really are struggling, aren't they? Cool. Cool chat, guys. When this weekend. <laughs> the second standout game for me uh, this, this last week that has just gone was uh, Wem bowling Sentinel out for 72 and then knocking them off one down in 14 overs. Now, Andy, one, two of your former clubs, many former clubs, as Josh would say. Yeah, indeed. Disgusting. Uh, um... <laughs> Coming up against each other, would you expect that to happen? I think you're looking at the form of when um, Martin Davis kicking on with the bat, um, the overseas obviously um, doing doing great things this season. I think when are getting to a point where they're really pushing on this season, I I, I do think they're really going to push uh, Wellington all the way. I think they're full of quality when, um, but uh, obviously Sentinel, I just think. As we said before, we said it about ten minutes ago. Um, with the maybe the lack of a, a, a top seamer, uh, they got a lot of a lot of great spinners. I mean, oh, I know Jimmy Shaw's a class act. They have got George Cheshire, who takes a lot of wickets, and um, Deswin Currency, who he plays midweek for me. He's got so such great control. He's very hard to score against. But you know, it's all good having three spinners. You do need your seamers and. A lot of wickets, I, I know it's drying out at the moment, but early in the season, I've really been good for bolt, good for seamers, haven't they? Green, you know, a lot of green tops. So, you know, maybe a seamer would help out, but you still need to back, uh, you know, score the runs and seventy odd, especially at Sentinel, where it's known, you know, known as a very good pitch. Um, I think they'd be very disappointed with that. But again, Wem's bowling attack again. I think all round Wem do have a side that can push and potentially get promoted. So, John, having a look at the Premier League, having a look at the recent results and the table as it stands, what what are you taking away from the Prem? Obviously, been there's a few teams I haven't crossed paths with for a while, but top four, they've always been solid clubs. They're, they're big clubs. They they've always had good teams. No real no real surprise. We played Shrewsbury seconds in the first round of the 100, and they, they were really strong that night. It always depends what sort of team you're going to get with those. Um, Shrewsbury, yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> they're very capable of competing. I wouldn't be surprised if they get better availability now this their school is out to see them push up the table as well. Mm. Apart from that, su surprised by Newport, um, big club in Shropshire, haven't played there for a long, long time. So always a surprise to see them so low in the table. But I think any all them teams in the middle, it's... It's going to be up for grabs of places. Um, 
I think any anybody from five to eleven they could swap it any direction. Mm. Any thoughts and predictions, guys, moving forward? So obviously at the midway point, as we all know, there wasn't the best of weather at the start, which meant there's a bit of few conceded and abandoned gains. But across all the divisions now, it's starting to shape up, and we're starting to see the leagues find their shape and clubs finding their real positions. I think um, I think early the bottom three are going to be the three that contend for the uh, two relegation spots. Uh, from what Joss has said as well about St. George's struggling. I think Shrewsbury 2s are consistently putting out a decent side. I think they will pick up enough results to stay up. And I do think the middle middle of the table are, are strong enough to stay up. And Shelton, I think, have already done enough. Uh, you know, they need to pick up three, maybe three more wins and they'll, they'll, they'll be clear of anywhere near relegation. And at the top, I, I, I reckon the top two might push clear. Wellington and Wem. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't really add anything to what Andy said. So I fear for St. George's. I think Madeley might get the better of them over the second half um, in, in all results. I mean, and I can't see anyone else being involved in the relegation battle. You know, Shrewsbury seconds, too big a club. Ludlow won it last year. Sentinel generally top four finishers. Oswald Street going well. Shelton strung some results together. And then you're up to the, to the top four. So I can't see... Any of them getting involved in the in the relegation at all? Yeah, uh, last season, just so that you know, Shifnal finished bottom on 113, Olscott Heath 163, Oswestry, who technically got relegated but then didn't, finished on 178, which means that around 180 is probably going to be around the sweet spot. Um, so by that reckoning, the top two are already well safe. <laughs> As you were saying, Andy, you're looking at Shelton and they're probably looking at two more wins for safety, maybe. Yeah, I think so, mate. I, You know, it's it's one of them, obviucy there's been quite a lot of points picked up as, as I'm looking at, um, you know, with them being on 97 and 96 at the bottom. So it is tight, as you say, but I just feel looking at that that table, I, I can't see uh, Maidley and Newport picking up enough, uh, sorry, Maidley and St. George's picking up enough points to to push above the other side. So I just can't, but you never know. It's um, it's a funny old league, mate. I mean, we couldn't have predicted that, that 12 start of the season, could we? So you never know. No. And um, obviously, with everything that's going on in the Birmingham League and the success of the Shropshire sides this season, everyone's got to be trying to make sure they finish in the top eight, regardless, haven't they? Really, I think we've. I think the clubs have all had their warnings really uh, over the last last few years. You've got to make sure. Uh, I mean, if teams like obviously with uh, with John on the show tonight. I think obviously for for Newtown, you need to be finishing top really. Just to just to com- confirm that you're going to get promotion, um, so I think all clubs need to be looking at it and and hoping that the Shropshire clubs hopefully stay up. Um, but if they don't, you know, it's going to be a big change up next year again. Mm. Okay, so we'll move ourselves on to our next division and Division One. Okay, so leading the way in Division One is everyone's favourite Welsh side, Newtown cricket club with 153 points in second place are frankton who have dropped off the top spot in third place are shifnal second 11 with 145 in fourth place are all scott heath with 144 in fifth place are werfield sixth place five points behind them are chirk then a bit of a jump down to Wellington second 11 in seventh Kund in eighth Bomir in ninth Roxter in 10th 
Lillishaw in 11th and Bridge North second 11 in 12th. Again, a bit like the Prem, I think, here, where it looks like you've got a very, very much like you've got a top four, a middle pack, and then a 12th place who are very much isolated on their own. It'd be rude not to have uh, John here as a guest and not start with him, who's side top of the table. Newtown have led the way for seven weeks of the 10 so far. So high flying, John. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, um, it's been a really good start to the season. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, I think we were really disappointed to finish seventh last year. We felt we were better than better. Um, we should have been higher in the table. No, no disrespect to any other clubs. We just always set high standards for ourselves. I think this year um we can only say that we played every game um huge credit to our grounds groundsmen we haven't missed a game at the rec this year everybody says it's wet there whatever but we've played every game even them even them weekends that there were complete washouts we got games on that's helped we've had a consistent team selection most weeks we've got a really good atmosphere started five out of five we've, we had a tough four weeks um real tough four weeks we lost four weeks in a row and three of those weeks we got we were on the end of um results where we completely deserved to lose the game um and then this weekend played bridge north um and once we put a total on the board we got 191 with our bowling attack we always fancy defending it um dave and tom bowled really well um really really um set the game up they, we got three wickets in our first three overs and it kind of um broke the back of them um it's sad to see bridge north down there because last year they were a really good side um there isn't many changes, but I think they've just lost a bit of experience. Um, and yeah, it's it's really disappointing to see them down there because, as you say, they are a big club. I think this year, generally, anybody can beat anybody in that in in Div One. I think it's a really good standard, really good league. Um, we we played Warfield two weeks ago, and that they were a really really strong side that day. So, um, and they they got a big score at Newtown, and they looked a really strong team. Um, I'm a little bit surprised with um, Bomi Heath because I think Bomi are a, a good side. I think they, I think they'll be disappointed because 
I, I thought they'd really challenge for the top top three or four. So um, yeah, that that was the the one probably surprise. But yeah, look, we're really happy where we are. Say so we've got a really good bowling attack. Um, a couple of youngsters come into our team. Um, losing Joe to, Joe Monk towards the street was a was a bit of a blessing in disguise. While we wish Joey the best of luck, we've managed to bring Griff Davis in, who's a fifteen year old um, who bowls bowls quite quite sharp. And whereas Joe was probably a genuine number eleven, Griff can bat. Griff Griff is very much a middle order player. Got sixty odd against Warfield and looks really really solid and confident with. The bats have been able to blood him into the team has been has been really good and got a settled side the overseas is doing well he is exceptionally good in the field and he set some really high standards of us and i think we all kind of follow um so yeah it's it's all going well so far how much how much of a difference does having an overseas at your club make um look we we make no secret of it we we rely on getting a free freebie um we'll we'll help them with Whatever, whether they need accommodation or things like that. But this this lad's paid his own flights. He was really keen to come across. Um, he never played any red ball cricket before coming over here. Only wow. played white ball cricket. So he was he played for Namibia under nineteen and Namibia A, but it all been white ball cricket. So I think it's been a bit of a learn early on. He was um, I, I I think not used to that that amount of movement. He opened a batting back back at home, whereas we've been batting at four just to give him a little bit of a chance. But Look, he's um, he, he's got high standards. He's arguably one of the best slip fielders I've seen. Um, six foot five, nineteen years old, hands like buckets. Um, almost a bit of a waste. He bowls off spin at that height, um, <laughs> and he, he gives it a whack with the left-handed bat. Gives it a bit of a bit of a whack, but probably a better player than a whacker. Um, he's found ways to get out so far. I I think there is a there'll be a big score in there soon. Mm. Um, but yeah, consistent side helps. Um, only making one or two changes a week, it just means everybody know, kind of knows their role. Mm. So you mentioned that you weren't as happy with your finishing seventh last season. What would you say the main difference is between last season and this? I think we got on a run this year. Um, we got on a run early. Um, we probably lost a couple of games early on last season and looked at it. A couple of teams ran away with it, and then. We would we were kind of meandered towards the end. Um, whereas this year, I think, kind of set a bit of a higher standards for ourselves. Because I said, look, we're better than seventh. We need to work harder. Um, as I say, Joe left us, which meant we can blood a few more youngsters, um, which which has helped. Um, yeah, and consistency of selection this year. Um, likes of Tom Fags has been available a lot more. Ryan Davis has been available, even though he's in America at the moment. Um, but mm-hmm. Yeah, the likes of them guys been available every week. Um, my brother last year, in, he was injured. Tom Anderson missed five or six weeks injured. So missing them guys takes a huge amount out of our team. Yeah. Um, so I'd be quite interested to know, as someone who's played a lot, well, played Prem cricket for Newtown and also played in Division 1 and old, the old Division 1, as it was back in the day before the restructure, how would you rank the standard of cricket in Shropshire Division 1 now? I think the standard of Division One is higher than Division One back in the day. I think the twos help uh, the the second the second eleven teams um, because the bigger clubs tend to have the more players. So I think the standard in Div Div One has improved. And then the last time we were in the Prem, the the Prem standard has gone through the roof for the last few years. In my opinion, the fact that the likes there's only two Birmingham League um, divisions now, so. A lot more clubs back involved with Shropshire, which I think is only a good thing in terms of Shropshire cricket. And I think the strength of the <clears throat> of the Prem and Div One 
has, has gone up. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. I don't think there's no real weak teams in our league, as I can see it. Even Bridge North on Saturday, it, w- it was not a walkover. It was a really competitive game. They just, I think that they're in the habit of losing at the moment. And I think if they change that round, they could go on a run. Um, I hope they do because they're, they're a nice bunch of lads. Um, so yeah, I'd be, be quite happy to see them if they could. But yeah, I think um, really good, really good standard. Um, you can't have an off day these days. Um, mm. If you have an off day, you'll lose. Well, I think you're right there. I think it's almost like the Prem is, is another division. So now Div 1 to me is how the Prem used to be. Because certainly I'll be playing in Div 2 is pretty much as Div 1 used to be. And similar teams, you know, Ponsby, Ponsby are there, knocking are there, ourselves. It's, it's, I mean, it's a nice division, really, but, but it, the standard is what Div 1 was to me five, six years ago before, before the Birmingham League went down to two, two leagues. So I, th- I think you're right there. Nothing shows that better than um, Kund, who were at the weekend, who had spent a lot of their season in ninth or tenth, have moved themselves up to eighth, beating a Frankton side who have been in the top two all season and who going into the game were top of the table. Frankton, uh, <laughs> Frankton winning the toss and electing to field and uh, couldn't hit 225 for nine. Craig Heath, 81 off 61 balls. And Joe Yap, 50 off 71, leading the way with the bat. And then Kund bowling Frankton out for 125. Craig Heath, 4 for 18 off 9 overs. As you said, goes to show that anyone can beat anyone. And something that I've said as well, you know, you've got those key players. And if they if they can perform regularly, they'll do well. And that's potentially why Kund find themselves where they do. Well, that was a good day. Good day at the office for Craig, wasn't it, for Zimmer, to be fair? Uh, each one runs in a four for. I mean, I mean, I mean I'm glad come one. I'm glad they're up to eight. But had they lost that, they could have been eleventh. You know, so it is still very close. But massive win for them against Frankton. It was obviously done done John's boys a favour as well. Just looking at looking at the table, I I still I'm not writing all the Scott off. I I think they're going to be they're going to be higher than fourth by the end of the season with the, the runs that Ashish is scoring. I think yeah. Qual- they're going quality bowler too. Um, he didn't. Sc- we, we fortunately got in for a duck. It was every other one that got runs that day, um, which kind of summed that, that day up. Was that um, one of Jay's tons, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah, one of Jay's tons. Um, we, we helped him along the way, it's fair to say. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he bowled. He came on and bowled, and, yeah, he, he's a quality bowler when he, when he wants to be. Um, I, he's a match winner by himself. You can see from the figures. That I, they'll they'll move up the table if he keeps performing. Um, I think Chiffnall 2's... Could also as well, looking at the teams they've been putting out. I was quite surprised they lost to Wellington at the weekend. It looked a strongish team. I think we played Chiffnall 2s at their place at probably the right time. Um, talking to a couple of them, they, they were missing a few players. So mm. wouldn't be surprised to see Chiffnall go on a bit of a run too. Mm. Yeah, and you look at the, you look at the Werfield team, for example, that was put out this Saturday. You got Ryan Quiney in it, Tom Pickerel, got Calvin Priest in there. Um I think that's the point where I'm. I think that's the point where I'm supposed to say the evergreen, uh, <laughs> and then Calvin Priest in there, along with other good, you know, Will McGarry, Piers Roanhorst, Will Fox Davis, Tom Parker, and they they beat a very strong looking Chirk side. As you said, it's a very tight league, and uh, Schiffnell twos facing. Wellington twos and uh, Schiffnell just lost out Andy um, very much a bowler's wicket um, Andy picking up three for 11 off his 6.3 
overs there. I'm, get, I'm getting a duck there. Yeah. 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 Um, bowler's day there when it end. <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest with you, mate, the, the reason I'm playing in the twos, is, as you know, is obviously I've, I've had a problem with my shoulder. Form. And Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> shoulder, 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 shoulder. shit. <laughs> No, obviously having this issue with the shoulder has, has kept me out, but I'm really enjoying playing with the second team. Um, great bunch of lads. They've got a strong, strong squad. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is when we've got bad availability, that's when we have our problems. And I think it's the same with a lot of the clubs with Birmingham League first teams. So, you, you know, you, you never know. Hopefully John's right and we can go on a good run. Mm. And push up the table and uh, push Newtown all the way to the uh, back end of the season. Mm. Talking of Division One, we have a question in that has been sent in by Kun's captain, Joe Yap. He said, after emails coming through to all captains, he said, Do you think it's worth a topic being, is it going too far or is it about time? Bans, fines for players, and £250 appeals. How much captains can really do to stop a fast bowler swearing because he's bowled a wide or got hit for a six, especially when it's not aimed at anybody? I know personally that I completely agree that the umpire is always right and shouldn't be questioned, and I think harsher punishment should come in for that. But a bit of bad language, for fuck's sake, for example, will get you and the captain a ban and a fine and I think that is way too far. It makes captains like myself, who put a lot of time into the job, want to just sack it all off, and that can't be good for local cricket around the county if others feel the same. That's a very good question. I wasn't aware of that, actually, but it's a very good question. I think there's a fine line between being passionate and being abusive. I think that's probably the point Joe's getting at. You, know, you can quite easily say, oh, fuck, thank you if, you if you do something wrong, but, you know, I think swearing at a batsman at a batter sorry mm. is not good but well, wasn't, um, wasn't the, wasn't the umpires, initial rule can't, umpires can't really deliberate between the two it's, it's like it has to be one rule like if you swear it's, it's a fine you can't just say well it, he wasn't, wasn't the initial wrong. rule though joss about about uh members of the public or people coming to watch hearing the bad language from the boundary that's interesting because we had one first game of the season um, you've been to Newtown, Andy, when we have a few play, few fans down there. We had 20 or 30 down there, including my housemate, who was probably the one that's swearing. Um, but nothing directed at the players. Um, but the umpire was expecting our captain, Tom, to go and tell 30 lads who'd been on the beer all afternoon that they needed to be quiet. You can imagine how that went down. Mm. Well, yeah, I can see that. That that To be honest with you, though, John, that that's outside the game. I don't think the umpire should get involved with that really because it's it's not not on the pitch is it no I think, absolutely i think i think there is a fine line and i, I agree with joe yeah. um i think we need to be careful that yeah i agree there there is a line that some things yeah. go over the top but equally it is an adult's game um there's a lot worse said in professional cricket um but it seems like it's an easy option now to say, I'm going to ban you. Um, we've had one game this year, whereas I'm not going to name the teams, but they were tr- they, they was banned. They were trying to look at banning players when it, it just seemed like it didn't need to happen. It just needed a sensible conversation. And mm-hmm. m- most of the umpires out there are use their common sense. 
Um, I think yeah. it's one that we've got to be very careful on. Like Joe says, I know Tom Tom is very um, very thin with it because obviously it comes back on him. We had a game against Warfield, whereas we didn't have any umpires turned up. We did have a qualified umpire there, but Tom was very, very thing about playing because obviously if anything happened, it came back on him. But fortunately, Gordon, we ran Gordon and he said, look, he'll come back on the Shropshire League. So you can see how much yeah. captains mm. are worried about the punishments towards them and it's not fair on them. Um, mm. there, there is a line and um, everybody's got to take some responsibility. Look, I'm sure you're aware, I'm no angel on the cricket field, never have been. But once you, once you come off the pitch, you, you shake hands, you have a beer with everybody. Vast majority of cricketers out there shake your hands, have a beer. There's no animosity. Yeah, there's the old there's the old one or two that don't, but that says more about them probably than than mm. you. So um, yeah, I, I agree with Joe on that one. There, there needs to be some more common sense. I think. Mm. I think. Bloody was... hell, you and Joe agreeing on something, John? Eh? We're ch- yeah. changed man now, Andy. <laughs> you had a few run into Joey up in the past, and you, eh? I can't remember that. Brilliant. Yeah, I did. I did see because there are uh, umpires are creating, like starting to create their own like Twitter profiles and things like this, and they're starting to talk to each other and discuss post match and things that are going on and have topics that have the discussion around improving umpiring in the game and everything like that. And some of them brought up the idea of you know the the amount of swearing that's going on around in Shropshire cricket at the moment and they were talking about potentially bring they thought that of an idea of bringing in GoPro cameras into uh, umpiring now obviously financially that would be quite expensive and also you've got to think of um it's safeguard it must be a safeguarding nightmare just as someone who's been a safeguarding officer yeah well. yeah indeed but I mean going back to this swearing there's things that happen on a cricket pitch that to me are more offensive than Swearing. I mean, we, we, I played, I, sorry, I scored for our thirds a couple of weeks ago. We had a 15 year old lad scored 98, got out, he was gutted he got out, and the, the 50 year old, whatever it was, gave him a send off as he's going off. You know, the poor lad's practically in tears. You got someone behaving like that. Surely there could be some sort of punishment for that. Mm. It's just vile behavior. You know, I've seen adults coming down the pitch and glaring at 14 year olds because they can't get them out it's that's to me it's far worse than for fuck's sake because you bowl a bad ball what's wrong with that you know yeah i think i think sometimes as someone who's stood in certain games i think i think from an umpiring's perspective is sometimes it's it can be the straw that breaks the camel's back in regards to the language that is used and potentially sometimes there's been some other things that have kind of led up to that point mm-hmm. not necessarily by the bowler in question uh, whether it's right or wrong i've seen all teams that i play against try and manipulate the situation so they get try and get favorable mm-hmm. favorable decisions um and i think as an umpire whatever level you are you kind of you are going to be susceptible to that because you are you are human beings and maybe maybe it's just a culmination of all those things i mean you, you i think andy agrees with me you must always be so polite to the umpires you know call them sir if you have to because their decision is right whether, whether they're right or wrong their decision is right is mm. one that stands so I, mean, I, I wouldn't do anything untoward to try and influence them but mm. always be polite to them mm. you know, call them sir whatever it, yeah. it might make that fraction of distance if there's a 50 yeah. 50 decision you never know but but I wouldn't I wouldn't try and influence them in any other way at all you know I wouldn't try and get in the heads no 
but uh, we can't play the game without him at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. exactly and, yeah. and to be honest, listening to you guys um, back in like in Div Two, very mm. often umpiring yourselves, having panel umpires, it's it's just it makes it easier. Just not having home umpires, the decision is final at the end of the day. They're mm. making the best decisions for themselves. Um, we had one umpire on Saturday, and it was hard work because you're having to stand square leg. And it's yeah, it's one of those that having two panel umpires, we sometimes don't realise how lucky we are to have them mm. guys. They're there. They they're there for a reason. They do their best. They don't always get every decision right. But who does? Who does? Which yeah, cricketer yeah, on the field yeah. on the field makes every decision yeah, right? So they need to, they need to be respected. And you, you even well, we, we had an infamous game against Kun last year, which a lot of people know about. I'm not going to go into it at all, but it showed the value of having panel umpires. We didn't have one, yeah. and there, there was a lot of a lot of animosity after the game. Should we say just because there weren't umpires? But it shows that they should be there really. And, yeah. You only miss them when they're not there, really. Yeah, you know? and if, if if I'm honest as well, kind of, it, it, when you are umpiring your own team, if anything, you're possibly harsher on your own team because you don't want to be seen as being favourable sometimes, you know. And and again, that's you know, it's it's it, it, marginal marginal differences um, in the game. So yeah, interesting chat. And just before we move on to the next division, there's some interesting fixtures coming up, John. Yeah, I think um, big big game Saturday will be the Frankton Schiffnell game second against third. So that'll be be an interesting one to see. Um, obviously, we're probably hoping for that one to be rained off. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, that, that'll be a big game. Um, one team's if they take 24 points a lot closer or um, one team's going to drop points so yeah last last round of the first, first last game of the first round so um yeah bit, that's probably quite a big game in our in our division mm, uh, a big game for you boys beef well i'm i'm away for it unfortunately but um i think um I, you know i don't really want to give too much away but i think we've got a few away but i'm hoping we're going to be strong enough to uh, to come through it but you know frankton are a, they're a very good side um they got a lot of potential. I think John was saying earlier about, you know, the the quality they have, and if they come off, mm. they they can be a very very destructive side. Yeah, uh, yeah, got to agree. Um, that day we played them. Um, there was a short boundary. Um, Tom Wilkie took advantage of it. He he got hold of us really. Tom and Scott Scott held batted very well. It just set a platform. Um, and realistically, we weren't really in the game with the bats. Um, we, we we were missing a couple of batsmen that day. So um, yeah, it was um. They completely outplayed us that day, so um, we had no arguments with the results. Um, they they were the better side, and they, they looked a really strong side that day. Yeah, I'm not surprised, Matt. I think uh, again, a, a bit similar to yourselves, really. They've been a bit of an up and down club, haven't they, over the years? But like yourselves, they've got pretty much a similar sort of side than they've had for the last five, six, seven years. They they have the odd player comes and goes, um, but really, they're you know they're a tight knit group, aren't they? And that's I think. I mean, looking at you boys, for, for example, I think it does really hold you in good stead that you've got pretty much 11 available players most weeks. Yeah, it makes such a difference, just having that availability. That was a difference last year, just having the availability of the main players, the the core of the team. And yeah, Frankton are very similar. You you kind of rock up there knowing who's going to be playing. There's, there's very little difference in their team. They'll have a slightly different overseas player, depends which one they've got, but the, they'll always have... They'll always have an overseas, but apart from that, it's it's a very similar sort of um, very similar sort of team, which, as you say, makes a huge difference. I think we we do actually say a lot about overseas players, and I think like Hurley brings it up quite often and asks us the question like, "Do overseas make the big difference?" And I think he asked you before, and like I, I do believe that in Division One, especially, 
it's it's the amount of match winners you've got. And I do look at the teams at the top, but I do think the likes of yourselves, the likes of Frankton, you've just you have got more match winners than more te- than than the rest of the sides in the league. I mean, you look at the likes of Kun Cricket Club, and you know they they all make to mind. And I, I'm going to be very honest. You know, you've got Joe Yap, and you've got um, Zimmer. Obviously, Ed Davis has now come into the fold, but re- really, you know, the two of them are going to win them games, aren't they? Where I think looking at some of the teams at the top, they've probably got four, five, maybe six players that can win you a game on a Saturday. You you know the players that you need to get out without giving it away. You go there and you know yeah, yeah. which players you need early. Otherwise, they could take the game away from you very easily. Yeah, exactly. So, one week away from the halfway point in Division 1, what are your predictions for the rest of the season, John? I'm not going to make any predictions because he'll come <laughs> back and bite me, I'm sure, in the second half of the season. We're just going to concentrate on ourselves. Um I think Bohemia are the ones that I think will go up up the table. I think they're 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 a good side. Um, I'm surprised where they are, but it, it could be any, any team there can beat any team. Uh, I think it's a much stronger league than last year. I think the two teams that come up seem to be competing. We played Roxeter. I don't think they were at the strongest, but they've picked up some really good results. And we got Lillishaw this weekend, so we we haven't played them yet. So I think anybody can beat anybody in this league. So <sighs> prediction wise. Wouldn't wouldn't like to say, but I think Oldscott Heath, they've got a, a, let's be honest, a match winner and beyond, so he could make the difference. There you go, Jay Salin. That's the uh, nicest compliment you've ever received. <laughs> Big Jay. <Jace. laughs> I'm not going to miss Anyway, on that note, we'll move ourselves on to Division 2 and we'll say goodbye to Andy Harrison. All the best, Andy. I might be back a bit later, mate, to be fair. But I'm just going to do about half an hour's worth of painting and then I might try and drive to you and have a beer with you. That'd be good to see you, mate. Oh, good that'd be you, good. Mate. Yeah, great stuff. Fridges I'm hoping full. to, but I've just, I've, I've just got to crack on, otherwise I'm not going to be able to make it. So I'll try and do it as quick as I can. Great stuff, mate. Well, we'll see you in a minute. I'll see you after. Go well with the rest of the recording. Cheers, Cheers mate. mate. Okay, so let's move ourselves on to our next section in Division 2. Okay, so we move ourselves on to Division 2 and still leading the way in Division 2 our Chelmarsh Cricket Club on 158 points. In second place, Beacon with 139 points. Ten points behind them are Knocking and Kinley Cricket Club in third place with 129. Two points behind them are Old Brighton. Two points behind them are Ellesmere. Two points behind them are Forton. One point behind them at Alberbury Cricket Club. Seven points behind them are Wellington third eleven. Three points behind them are Sentinel second eleven. Nine points, which seems like a massive gap <laughs> behind them, are Shelton second eleven. And then uh, this is where the big jump happens in eleventh place: Trisol and Seisden, or Treesol and Seisden. Whichever way around it is, no one's still no one's messaged us to tell us which way is the right way to say it. Um, Thirty-eight points behind Shelton, and uh, six points behind them are a newly resurgent Pontsby Cricket Club. So, guys, um, thoughts on Division Two there, and uh, we'll start with Joss Elliott. Yeah, fair place, Chelmarsh. They're they're still storming it. Really, nineteen points clear. And they've got they've got the three leading run scorers. Which says a lot, and the surprising thing really is that Connor isn't top. It's uh, Tom Helen scored more than Connor, but Connor second and Alex Starr third, but um, deservedly top. Um, I can't see that changing throughout the season, to be honest. Beacon keep churning out results. Good luck to them. But 
as you said, it is just so close. I mean, you've got you've got Shelton in tenth with one hundred and three, and Beacon in second with one hundred and thirty nine. That's thirty six points separating you know, ten places. Incredible. Yeah, and Ponsby, they, they, Ponsby and Trisel or Trisel, a long way adrift, but. Ponsby proved if, if they put out their best players, they win games. They're a good team, but they seem to struggle with availability. But, you know, if, if you have Owen Morris, if you have Steve Wilson, if you have the Hartson brothers, it, they're a good team. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem to happen often enough, which is which is why they're where they are. Mm. Um, Matt batting at seven for Ponsby. Matt Hartson? Yeah. Really? I hadn't, hadn't seen that. So he's played a few games in the seconds, hasn't he? He managed, yeah. but they basically scored runs as well. Um, yeah, I, 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 he's always been an opener to me, but um, yeah, I, I don't know why that is. Yeah, nice to see some of the Ponsby players turning out and making themselves available. But yeah, the, having started to get themselves a bit of forward momentum, having lost to All Brighton aside, who are really starting to pick up the pace in Division 2. Uh, All Brighton's finding themselves fourth, having found been 10th, 9th in Week 4 and 5, and just 7th and 8th. Uh, from there on in, now jumping all the way up to fourth, as you mentioned, even though there's that small gap, there was a little gap earlier than that, but yeah, they're starting to push themselves at the table. Um, and, and I think John alludes to it in Division 1, but I think it's the same in Div 2, really. Anyone can beat anyone, and every team has a match winner, which is why I think it's so close. Anyone can beat anyone, because if that, if that match winner fails, it makes them a very different, mm. very different team. England's Adam Shimmons with uh, 44 not out. Hardeep Kumar, 57 not out in that game. Sanjiv Yogi. You haven't told us which game. Uh, against Ponsbury. <laughs> so, um, uh, 44 in that one. And um, George Maundrell, 4 for 28 off his 8. Nav Yogi, very good friend of the podcast, 1 for 29. That's the only time someone will ever get mentioned on the pod for getting one wicket. Um, <laughs> and Adam Shimmons himself, two for 20 off nine. But yeah, he is uh, very much front and centre as their, as their key player, you'd say. Cool. I'm glad we all agree. Um, but yeah, the um, bad luck continues for Treesel Trisel. Maybe that's what we should... Uh, we just call them Treasel Trisel. There's no need to call them by their full name anymore. Treasel Trisel, until anyone says anything different. Having lost to Shelton, um, 10th in the battle between 10th and 11th. Shelton scoring 253 for 9 off their stint. Keith Tate, 55. Alex Salisbury, 44. Everyone else pretty much chipping in. Ryan Cumming, 30. Sam Nichols, 36. So Ryan Cumming, I played against him yesterday for their thirds. What a cricketer he's going to be. Yeah. He's, he's, he opened the batting, he scored 20 odd, but technically superb and a left hand leggy who puts it on the spot. Well, what a prospect he is. They, they need to keep hold of him because he's, he's an incredible talent. Shelton, Shelton, yeah, yeah. Shelton had a couple of young lads and they had, they had a disappointing season last season and they struggled in Div 1, but their, their shining lights were they had three or four. 13, 14, 15 year olds that look yeah. like they're going to be serious prospects. I think that's seven under 15s playing for him yesterday as well, which was great to see. And mm. the beaters, and, and deservedly so. It was, it was a good game of cricket, to be honest. 
There you go, you heard it here first. Coming is going places. But Neil Bennett in that game for Treesall, 89, which is, you know, and Lee Craig, Usman Barry, they're, they're, they're two prolific talisman for Treesall, uh, only getting eight runs between them in that game. It would be rude not to mention Ben Chambers, four for 11 off 5.2. He's still got it, Josser. Ben's been around a long time. He knows where to put the ball. Left arm over. Yeah. All left arm bowls are good. So, as we've mentioned, John, this is uh, pretty much the old Division One. So, sides that you've, even though you may not have played them in a long time, um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's very much the old Div One, kind of before the the second elevens come back. Um, I think always a surprise to see Ponsbury as low as they were, because let's be honest, three or four years ago they they were near the top of Div One, um, and it just they were seems, top. Yeah, they were yeah. top, and yeah. let's be honest, they probably should have gone up and. For whatever reason, they conspired not to. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Your mentions. Can you and your John, John, mentioned, John said that. John said that, not yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but they were a very, very good side. I'm not going to take it away from them. They, they beat us that season and they had a very, very strong side. And I think they've just struggled with availability, which is always probably disappointing to see for them because they shouldn't be they shouldn't be where they are. Um, Again, like Albury on their day, um, they can put out a team that can easily compete in Divi- Division 1. But it, with a lot of these sides, when I look down from one, 1 to 12, knowing most of them, any of them sides can compete. It's all about availability. I think we mentioned with us and Frankton, we have the same 10, 11 players. We know our roles, kind mm. of who's going to play where. Whereas I think, I know you mentioned it before, yeah. You getting the same players out for you guys is virtually impossible, which... Yeah. Is, is going to make things more difficult. And I think mm. sometimes that reflects in league positions. Um, mm. And also, it means your batting order might change every week as well. You, you might bat open one week and bat eight the next week or whatever. You know, it's just, it's unsettling in a way, I think, if you if you don't know what your role is as you do a new time, as you say. That is the exact conversation we had whilst you were downstairs getting the KFC, Joss. So that's a bit freak, spooky that you said that. But yeah, it's... Um, what I, yeah, what we were saying beforehand was obviously, I think, with Division 2 for Albury is even when we don't have very good availability, we'll still compete. Um, when we've got very good availability, we back ourselves to win pretty much every game that we can, really. Um, whereas in Division 1, when we have full, full availability, we're competing. Um, but when we don't, we will generally come out on the other side of it, um, which I think as John said, is very similar to most of these sides in Division 2. And you look at Chalmarsher at top, and there's no surprise to see that Chalmarsher pretty put up, pretty much put out the same side every week. Mm. And that top three hasn't changed. And that's where they're prospering and people are getting used to their roles. And, you know, even Charlie Fenson down at, I think he batted six, he's constantly in the runs, not the same amount of runs as everyone else, but... Um, he's still chipping in. Uh, Matt Evans, Elliot Ward, chipping in with good runs as well. And when you've got an overseas in Division Two, that's going to make a massive difference as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're right. Um, I, was, I, sorry, I was just thinking about the game we had. I played for the first the other day and seven on second. What a game of cricket it was. It went down to the last ball. Um, we had two youngsters at the crease for the last ball, needing three to win. Um, it's a great game of cricket to be involved in it really was just a little bit disappointed we didn't win it but and you know justin joseph on strike he, he did the right thing he got bat on ball and unfortunately went to went dave down dave ashton's throat at third man but um yeah 
it, it was a fantastic game of cricket, but it just shows how close that division is, really. Yeah, I think without without going over it again, it's it does seem like anyone can beat anyone, but I do worry for that bottom two as the gap keeps getting wider. But as we've mentioned with what's going on in the other leagues, you could find there being a gap of 40, 50-odd points between a few of the sides who are getting relegated this season. Yeah, like we mentioned before, I think you've got to finish at least eighth to probably be safe. Mm-hmm. No one knows what's going to happen with the Birmingham League. So even though the, the bottom two may be cut away, I don't think any team in the probably the bottom half is going to be... They're going to be looking over their shoulders. and Because mm-hmm. obviously there was a lot of conversation last year about teams getting relegated. They finished in certain positions. And at the end of the day you've got to be conscious of where you finish and you know you've got to be outside at least the top bottom four to make sure that you can be safe yeah, and yeah. If, if you get relegated because you finish in bottom three whether you think it's unfair or not it, you put yourself in that position so yeah, I think yeah. every every team has got to be conscious of that knowing what's happening with the Birmingham League that you need to finish Absolutely. eighth, eighth for a bottom. I haven't told me last year if third from bottom went down but it is what it is. Mm. Well you, you look at division two as well and you know, you got Beacon who are in second, who've jumped up to second, but have spent the majority of the season in the bottom half. And then the last couple of weeks have just jumped up into second. And then on the other hand, you've got Wellington, third 11, who have been in the top two, top three, pretty much all season. And then the last two weeks have dropped from then fifth and now find themselves in eighth. So if it carries on like that, it's going to be a really, really tight and interesting end to the season in that division. Um, Joss, anything you would like to say about Division 2? Well, I was just going to mention, I bumped into Chris Cook the day, he was talking about the uh, game Beacon had against Forton on, on Saturday. What a game it was. Um, got the score here. Forton batted first, 226 for nine off their 45. Beacon needed seven of the last over to win. Um, first ball, straight down long on his throat, but he stepped over the boundary. <laughs> So it was six. Oh, no. So then the next ball went for four. So they went with four balls to spare. But fantastic game of cricket. Yeah, some some really tight games in Division 2 this last weekend. And it was, and I should mention, give me a shout, so it was young Emmett McKinley that, that got the winning runs as well. So fair play to him. It's all shaping up in Division 2. And the next time we all meet each other, um, who knows what might happen. So anyway, let's move ourselves on to our final division and Division 3. Okay, so, <laughs> so we move ourselves on to... Why, are you going to sign for... How much are they paying you? I wish, mate. <laughs> with, with, your, with your average, mate. Uh, powder run. Anyway, we move ourselves on to Division 3 and leading the way are Column with 165. They've led every week in Division 3. In second place are Brosley, hot on their tail with 162. In third place on 143 points are Quat second 11 in fourth. Uh, Monty with 130 points. Then a big drop off down to Oswestry, second 11 with 104. Then Church Ashton in sixth. Maidley, second 11 in seventh. Welshpool, eighth. Ludlow, second in ninth. Willie in tenth. Wem, second 11 in 11th. And St George's, second 11 in 12th. So, guys, initial thoughts about Division 3. Yeah, uh, Colin continued to um, to lead the way. 
um, quite close now, but um, th- they're destined to be a couple of divisions higher. I think. I, I, I think I might have said in a previous podcast. I think they'll, I think they'll go up, and I think they'll win Div Two next year. I think they're very strong. They're still recruiting. Got the Simmons brothers. who bring got some runs for them the other day. They've got an overseas. They're geared up to to go up another couple of divisions. I think Mark Ferguson got a fantastic ton as well the other day, hundred and twenty, I think. Um, and at the other end of the table, I fear for St George's. I think their seconds have probably been impacted more than their firsts by um, by events that have happened with the Exeter to Fortin. I think they're going to have a tough second half. And Bros- Brosley wants to watch. You know, they're they're churning out results, three points behind Colin. And similar to, I think it was the, um, yeah, the Prem's got four, the top four, quite a bit ahead of everyone else. And I think it's quite similar here. There's a 26-point gap between Monty and Oswestry. But yeah, good division, good division. I just I just think fear for St. George's and would put a lot of money on Colin winning, winning that division. Yeah, um, it would be rude not to mention the results at the weekend where Brosley won the toss and elected to bat... Friend of the podcast, James Ralph, with 147 falling three short of his 150. Are we allowed to know who they were playing? Uh, St. George's. Thank you. Sorry, 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 sorry. Also in that game, Nick Hudson, 63 not out. And for a side that's all of, you know, the conversations that are going on are about you know the amount the amount the availability that they've got they still keep churning out the the wins and dan hanley with 439 to play is surely too good for division three yeah it was um interestingly um we were traveling back from bridge north and we met the quad second 11 in the riverside on the way home and it was virtually their premier league side from about five or six years ago mm-hmm. so they looked really really strong the likes of craig jones craig harris terry hughes gaz jones they look like a team that knows how to win games. So I wouldn't be surprised if they keep up the pace if that's the team that they're putting out most weeks. Um, mm. Speaking to the, there was, we had a Dynamo's Festival on Sunday and spoke to the Mon- Montgomery team. They sound like they've picked up two players who moved into the area. Um, I think Sean Randall used to play at Quarter Warfield. Mm. Um, he's scoring a few runs and, and some all rounder from Kent. And they've both moved into the area and they, they seem like they, they seem to think that they're match winners. So, Monty um, were very happy with what they've picked up there from from the conversation I had with one of their players on Sunday. So, um, well, for yeah. me, even without those two additions, I think Monty are too good for Div Three because I know a lot. Of, you know, you got your Aaron Roughcox, your Andy Barker. That they're they're too good for Div Three for me. I'm not going to comment as the local rivalry there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look at you look as you said you you look at the team that caught second eleven put out and they won the toss and unsurprisingly elected to bat scored 271 for six joe cotham someone who's come up through the ranks and has looked every bit the part in the divisions below is carrying on that form 62 he got uh, nathan hakeman also 56 elliot parker 80 not out and craig jones got 34 then with the ball everyone pretty much uh, chipping in jimmy arbuckle the pick with three for 32 off his seven and terry hughes two for 24 off nine elliot parker craig jones gareth jones and stuart walters all picking up one as well against uh, a decent looking oswell street side and that's that's a big result and 
Yeah, you look you look down at the lower part of this division, and this is the first division. I'd say that there does look like there's a bit of a gap in the standard between this between the sides with the bottom three not having surpassed 80 points yet and then you've kind of got that mid group where they're all 99 to 90 and then you got the top top five who are 100 plus but even then you look at column and brosley and quat and you're probably saying that they're looking like they're they're your three i know like the likes of welsh but i don't think they played in the first four weeks mm-hmm. i think they've had been very very rain affected so they you're never 100 percent sure because i know they had a good result at the weekend um did they did they beat column massive win against column uh beaten by seven wickets yeah so yeah, they've had four cancelled or abandoned yeah. yeah so i think sometimes that that position might be a little bit low for for them if they yeah. if they if they're capable of turning column over they can beat any team in the league yeah. mm, nick and patrick davis there with 76 and 70 in that game and uh, Matt McWinnick. Good for them. At this point in the podcast, for some reason, our system stopped recording, but we were going on to talk about how well Welshpool did and then, I'm guessing, Josh has started talking about the struggles for Wem as that's where we continue. If you look at them going down and, you know, this, okay, it's a bit of a long shot, but their first team could theoretically end up back in back in the Birmingham League if they win the Shops League and the playoff. And that's a hell of a gap. Um, I'm sure they'd want their second team to be doing slightly better than they are, shall we say. Um, mm. They must be disappointed they're as low as they are. Because they've got some good players as well. I think I think that's massive with the second team. I think you're right. Um, ours are in Div 5, which is, is a decent enough standard that when they're coming up to the first to the first 11, the gap isn't so high. But mm. I think I was talking to... Um, someone from midweek I was from Chirk and I know their seconds are in like Div- Division 8, eight yeah. so I think there's eight such to one. 8 yeah. to 1 is a massive gap whereas yeah. for Wem it's going to be fairly similar if they go yeah. up I actually hadn't thought about Chirk because I know like Cund and Ponsby and ourselves are quite similar and yourselves like 4 or 5 division gap which uh, for sort of borderline players perhaps like myself I might be in Div 7 one week and then Div 2 the next week it's, it is quite a difference as you've shown by my averages in the respective division. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do yourself a disservice, Joss. Mm. One side that is surprising me here is Willie, uh, who find themselves in 10th, a side who have 4th uh, in 2019, 5th in 2021, and 6th last season. Now, obviously, that is trending downwards, but still you would expect them to be contesting at the higher end. But then again, similar to Welshpool, they, they've had three cancelled, one abandoned. So of those 10 games, we've only actually played six. Um, so like John said, with Welshpool, it might be a bit deceptive, their, their league position. Mm. Um, yeah. They're, they're only a win off being sort of mid-sixth uh, or seventh. Yeah, I, 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 I am starting to think, though, that we are moving into the period where teams have started to have a run of games. So that you have kind of started to have a chance and Willie 101 all out against Maidley who before last week found themselves in seventh place but had kind of been around ninth seventh all season getting bowled out for 101 and then Maidley knocking them off in 25 overs I guess it's something first to talk with uh, in our next supplement show with Slats but you'd, you'd probably be a little bit worried if you were Willie there 
Yeah, I, I think they'll they'll drag themselves out of that. I, I think they'll, um, as I say, they've had four none results anyway. So I think they're they're better than tenth. They'll end they'll end up top half. I'm saying. There you go. There you go, Willie. Willie going to go up. There you I go. did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds rude as well. <laughs> um, great stuff. So I think with us all running out of content for Division 3, we'll move ourselves on to our final segments. Which is Division 7 and the game <laughs> between Albury and Coden Hall last weekend. Okay, so let's move ourselves on to Division 7. Okay, so in Division 7, we've got Alberby Cricket Club here at top of the league and Coton Hall in second. Joss. Where do you want me to start? Ball one. So ball one, I took strike. Dot ball, I think. Ball two? Yeah. Okay. I went for four. I think I hit four. Might have been a little bit of a late cut, maybe. Riveting. Squirt. Oh, it's a squirt. That's your favourite. Ball, ball three. Without giving it away to the listeners. Yeah. Third man, fine leg, pack it. Umbrella field. Um, um, it wasn't so much a wagon wheel as a spoke. She was saying. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. I'm feeling like we're going to get some Amazon Audible uh, downloads for ASMR. Listen to, <laughs> Joss, Joss, listen yeah. to Joss's ton as you Something fall asleep. From listen to this. <laughs> Third ball. Dot. <laughs> Fourth ball. Quick single. Just cover drive to um to cover. Um, Fifth ball, Harapon strike, no one cares. Sixth ball, Harapon strike, no one cares. <laughs> Over two. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I, I enjoyed it. It was my, my high score ever, actually. Um, nice to be the runs. As a batter, obviously, you always want to score runs. And it's enjoyable when you do. And we won. And it puts top of the league. So it was a good day at the office. Great stuff. Um, so, yeah, we will move ourselves on to our final round of listener questions. Um, the first one comes from Dan Bowen, who says, Lads, really interested to know, when do we think cricket tees will return? And we'll start with our guest, John. I think for me, um, I'm quite happy not to have cricket tees. It may be a very unpopular opinion, but for me, it's too much hassle. We're relying on volunteers. Some clubs are very lucky. There are some very, very good tees out there. But for me, it's it's just easier to get your own stuff. You can eat it when you want. Um, and you know you're going to like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, we we've, we struggle. It, it's an expense that we don't need. Um, I'm all for I'd rather something after the game, some food after the game. So for me, we and I think as a club, we we wouldn't want to see T's return. We're quite happy without them. Uh, and also, I, I echo John's comments. Right? He said it won't be popular, but... Um, so being at Albury, who had a reputation for one of the best teas in the county, but um, for the reason John said, you, know, you get your own. And and you know we had a dedicated person that did a rotor for teas, which in itself is is a bit of a nuisance job. When you have to cajole people into doing it, um, and when it was my turn, it was a pain in the ass. Right? <laughs> you have to. So it's a lot of hassle. You have to ring Colin Deli. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But but because of reputation, I have to do more than that. You can't, can't just turn Colin Deli. You have to do some pizzas as well. Or some pasta or whatever. Go get um, some Doritos from yeah, the co-op on the yeah, way in, yeah. Some chips. Oh, so but, uh, taxing, I think, Joss. I think the arrangement we've got now, whereas, you know, I've played a couple of games where we have had teas, and that, that's just the way it's going to be. Mm. I think captains will reach out to their opposing captain three days in advance and say, look, We've got a tea if you want it. It's like Coden Hall do, do a fantastic tea as well, by the way. Yeah. I'll plug that. Uh, Maylie did a fantastic tea. But I don't think it's going to be... How was the tea this weekend? Enjoyable? 
I was too exhausted from scoring 143 not out to eat any. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get it in again. <laughs> I still paid for it though. <laughs> not out as well, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Face the first ball, face the last ball. Uh, yeah. what, have, what have you spent today doing? Um, not moving. <laughs> <laughs> Checking everyone else's averages in the league? Um, my, my, okay, look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think from my end, I, yeah, I quite like I quite like a cook at tea. Um, I quite like the social element of it more than anything because it's the only time that my uh, teammates will actually willfully sit one seat distance from me uh, without calling me an expletive. Um, <laughs> so it's quite a nice, uh, nice. <laughs> quite a nice thing to have um as you said it's it, for some for some clubs for some players it can become quite a quite a thing and especially when you're doing a tea if especially if you're playing it can be it can kind of take your mind off the game as well absolutely yeah one thing i think we perhaps should do is like everyone brings their own tea there's nothing to stop me still gathering around a table and socializing as we did when it was a tea it was done by someone else but that just doesn't happen now people just sort of wander off and do their own thing during the tea break so you miss out on that sort of social yeah. I think bonding pe- sort of i think people have got used to social distancing or whether people just uh willfully socially distancing from me i haven't quite worked it out <laughs> yet but um <laughs> one you're normally crying in the corner <laughs> wondering where all went wrong in your latest duck <laughs> strike rate 400 this week mate jet um four for your career <laughs> The next one comes from Welsh RMJ07, which says, who do you most dislike in the league? And uh, we'll start this. is this, for John, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, we could start this with John. There is no way I'm commenting on that because I, <laughs> I, I know who's asked that question. <laughs> okay, well, I'll start us off on this one. I really hate in this league. And they can really... And if they ever come to Alberbury, I'm going to give Joss. Hugh Hurley. (laughs) (laughs) Class, mate. Uh, (laughs) We'll go on to our final list of questions. And uh, we've got one from Carl Starlin. He says, John... He goes, do you still have your Iceland kit from a few years ago when Wales had one good tournament? Yeah, that was, um, I think all Scott were very unfortunate that day that they ended up playing in Newtown just after um, England were knocked out by Iceland in Euro 2016. Did you, on the strength of that, buy an Iceland kit? Um, No, we won one better. We went to Iceland Superstore and got their carrier bags and put them (laughs) over top. And I've, I've got to be honest, the instigator was Di Brown, so we, we were all trying to squeeze into carrier bags in our changing room to come out. And yeah, Wales had one good tournament, so we had to make the most of it. And it was just unfortunate Carl happened to be in Newton that day. Fantastic, fantastic. That's oh, Got a lot of time good. for that. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, So, yeah, once again, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Cow Corner podcast. The next episode will be the Birmingham League show. And then the next one after that will be our centenary podcast. I think that will be the first time I've ever made a hundred. You don't think, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, Joss. Um, 
And we're getting ever closer to Joss's batting average this season. But anyway, thank you very much for listening. As always, you can like, share and subscribe uh, to the podcast. Finding us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. But you already know that. Big thank you to John Anthony for coming all the way to Shrewsbury and for being in person. And um, yeah. yeah, absolutely loved having you on, John. Yeah, absolute uh, pleasure, John. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Hopefully it's not the last time we have you on. Thank you for the invite, guys. Really enjoyed it. Great stuff. And thank you very much, Joss. Cheers, Hurley. Thanks for saying, mate. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Let's hope this all recorded because we were getting some very interesting stuff. If not, I will put a very apologetic disclaimer on afterwards. Until next time, goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 